This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, time, space, and dimension on display, as well as a look at the state of comic properties in the world. More Batman v Superman adventures with the 12th Doctor and Clara, Emmett Brown and Marty, as well as mysterious superhumans in the wings. Speaking of wings, I've seen a horse fly, I've seen a house fly, and now, thanks to Arkea, I've seen a butterfly, and we get to share it with you, the major spoilers experience so something something chrysalis prepare to metamorphosize because the major spoilers podcast is taking welcome to issue 654 the major spoilers podcast thank you so much for downloading listening sharing this podcast with a friend and uh, thank you everyone who's using that amazon link at majorspoilers.com to make your holiday purchases still going to pay the same price whatever amazon's charging you for the awesome stuff that you're buying this holiday season a little bit mm-hmm. comes back our way, allows us to do shows like this week after week after week and have wonderful people like Rodrigo here. Hello. And also Ashley is here. Hello. Yeah. So what's uh, going on? Oh, Steven. and Matthew is here. Stephen <laughs> Francis Schleicher. Uh, I am going to be 45 in seven days. You got to be nice to me. No, I don't have to do any such thing. Yeah, do. I do want to ask Ashley, though. Um, last week, so only been a week. This is how amazing this is. Last week. Uh, Jason Inman was on here to talk about um, the Inman, the Jason uh, Inman comic drive for soldiers, comics for soldiers. That is a true thing that happened. And I am surprised. (laughs) I mean, people have been sending in stuff left and right. All the outlets have been doing stuff. DC donated to what? Twenty six hundred books. Marvel's going to be donating real soon. Awesome. So, I mean, without giving, uh, you know, you don't have to give us exact counts, but it looks like you're over seventy five hundred comics as of, of today. We are we are over seventy five percent of the way there. Which that is, is awesome. Super awesome, and and some people are being incredibly generous. We had someone donate like eight hundred some comics, uh, oh, yeah. all all on his lonesome, and I was like, wow, dude, like that's a hefty shipping cost, and we appreciate it. Well, I also we, saw people are sending in long boxes. You were at a comic store, was it not mid midway? Not what comic store were you at? That where you guys had like six long boxes. Earth 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks. I used to work there, and it's co-owned by Jeff Johns, so that's what's cool about it. (laughs) Uh, And they gave us three long boxes very, very generously. And we've had a lot of great... We've had people who were like, I just have this one comic. And we're like, that's cool. That's one more comic than we had before. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. And the deadline is December 31st, right? You're trying to get everything in and totaled by uh, the 1st of January. Ideally, yes. Okay, so if everybody's looking for it, Go over to Jason's YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. All the information's over there. Even though they're over 75% of the way, we still want everyone to send in comics. And I'm sending in my 52 tomorrow. So be on the lookout for those. And they're all trade paperbacks, too. (laughs) 
They have to be 52, otherwise you don't know it's from Steven. I know, right? <laughs> We've actually had a lot of people be like, 52 comics, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Rodrigo will send in some Joe Maggerera X-Men, and God only knows what I'll give you. Yeah. Legion right. of Superheroes. Skate Man. I have four copies of Skate Man. You know what? But I <laughs> some, wouldn't do that. Some to soldiers some poor veteran. be subjected. No, I'm not going to no, do that. I have too much respect for for what they do to send them Skate Man. Well, that is awesome, and, and congratulations to uh, you and Jason on working hard to put that together. Uh, let us talk about the uh, Batman Superman trailer. Yes, that yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. Matthew hated it. Didn't hate it. It cemented for me that this is not a movie. That's for me, and that's okay. It's not. I'm not the target audience. That's cool. Didn't hate it, but now I'm. I'm almost certain that what I'm going to do is, when it comes out, people are going to be like, "Here's the spoilers," and I'll go, "Okay, here's the spoilers. Lead me into this Wonder Woman movie. I'm gonna go see that." Mm, okay, Rodrigo. What about you? Um. Uh, Anytime Wonder Woman appears on these trailers, my curiosity about it briefly spikes. And then immediately I think, well, how much time are they going to have for Wonder Woman? You know, so, I mean, it was briefly interesting, but I, you know, it really doesn't do it for me. And, you know, it also what it cements for me is that we are going to see the entirety of this movie by the time this movie comes out. (laughs) Like they've already done so many beats. Possibly. I think there's still some surprises left in there. Uh, Certainly there are things that people are concerned about, which I'm like, nah, that's not a concern. Not a concern at all. Uh, Don't be worried about uh, Batman ripping or Superman ripping off Batman's uh, hood. That's not that's not something you have to really concern yourself too much. about. That clip is called Batman's Nightmare. I know, right? (laughs) And that's that's what uh, they talked about that at one of the comic book conventions this week. And I think it was one down in uh, Brazil where they said, yes, it's a. PPX? Yeah, they said, yeah, it's it's just a dream sequence. Don't worry about it. Um, my biggest concern, though, is Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> I just, of the three things that, that really ruined it for me in the trailer, two of them were him as Lex Luthor. I, I commend him for making a strong acting choice, but I don't see how he is living in the same world as everyone else in that movie. I mean, well, I, yeah, but that's Jesse Eisenberg's acting style, though. But it was I'm, so when it's reserved, like like in your social network, I mm-hmm. feel like that worked really well. But here he's just like, I'm in a play. But even when he's over the top, like you see in, in Now You See It or to a slightly lesser degree Zombieland, mm-hmm. he's still, hello, my name is Jesse. Oh, look at me. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's a thing. Everybody does that once in a while. I made a career out of it, but. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. Now I, I understand he's playing Lex Luthor the second. Is he? That's, that's what everyone is claiming. Doesn't list it that way on the IMDB page. Because yeah, if he's I actually, think, I think it's the clone Lex if, Luthor. If, if he's actually the, the Lex Luthor clone from uh, Crisis on Infinite <laughs> Earths, then yes, that would be something very interesting. But well, there was, the there was that fake interview with him right before New York Comic Con where they said that his father Alexander Luthor is the one who founded the company. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And isn't there some president in the comics for LexCorp being a legacy thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe, know. yeah, maybe, maybe you know, they're like, oh, this is Lex Luthor the second, but that's only because saying that it's his father's company, and his father's right. also named Lex Luthor, because coming up with an entirely different name would be too difficult. Also, it wouldn't be called Lex Corp, I suppose. I guess, <laughs> I, I guess, with what I saw of him on the screen, I fully expect him to steal forty cakes. And, <laughs> and you I know expect, what? I'd be down with that. I would, ex- I and I expect him. Yes, I expect him to be doing a laboratory laboratory experiment and it catches fire and his hair burns off and Superman's there to blow it out and he blames Superman for that. If they have those two things in there, I'll say, okay, I will buy this Lex Luthor, but I'm going to guess they don't. Solomon Grundy want pants too. (laughs) Actually, what what were your reactions to this? Well, I am almost the demographic for this movie because I'm in my 20s, um, but I'm not a man. So I'm like half of the demographic that they're looking to appeal to. Um, And I was really excited by this trailer because I think that Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne is going to be really cool. That's basically all I need from this movie. (laughs) That's what I saw from a lot of people is that they were like, you know what? Ben Affleck really could pull off this curmudgeon Bruce Wayne that we're seeing in the movie. I'm okay with this now. And and honestly, I would say that he has a better Batman voice than Christian Bale. Like, yes, they're doing you know, the arrow like, modulation mm-hmm. on it. Oh, uh, I see. He's got a thing in, his, thing in his throat that he wears. It's called the arrodulation. Yeah, there you go. Oh, Wait, that sounds, God, yeah, that's, no, that's something else. I will say this. The, uh, the doomsday appearance was kind of a surprise, even though I thought I'd heard this years ago that, that doomsday was going to be in the movie. Yeah. And the giant spider and the giant spider. <laughs> yes. But the thing that I love the most is every single frame of Wonder Woman. The reveal of her is so amazing. And it gives me a lot of hope for her solo movie, too. I'm w- wondering, though, as, as Rodrigo, as you said, that they've kind of ruined everything. I wonder if they couldn't have used a different Wonder Woman bit and made that moment the key defining moment in, in the movie. Where suddenly well, Wonder Woman steps in and is like, boys, boys, knock it off. Yeah, I think I've said this on the show before that the only way that I leave this theater satisfied is if Wonder Woman at some point bonks uh, Batman and Superman's heads together. (laughs) Knock it off. And then Superman tries to poke Batman's eyes and he holds up his uh, hand. His battery. Try it, porcupine. It looks like, and I don't know, I'm going to have to talk with him some more, but uh, Scott Kurtz, who hated Man of Steel, he and I went (laughs) back and forth uh, many times on Man of Steel. He said he was intrigued by this movie, and I said, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to record a podcast where we talk about this movie in depth. So I'm hoping that he uh, he definitely says agreed that we need to do it. So uh, I would look for that big discussion debate coming up uh, soon after the movie comes out. So I'm excited about that. March 26th. March 26th. So... Let's put our collective brains together here. Most of the time we see big blockbuster movies come out eh, late April, end of April, 1st of May, and run all the way through Labor Day weekend. Not your Winter Soldier, though. Not your Winter Soldier, which was a very good movie. That that could be as an exception. But most of the time we see a huge dumping ground between late January through February and March. Is that going to... Is that to... Warner Brothers advantage here? Are they intentionally doing that so they can say, we will pull a Lego movie like we did two years ago and, and take all the monies. I think they're just trying to get out ahead of civil war. Mm. Um, yeah. And even though uh, I think civil war will bring in a lot of money, Batman v Superman just 
regardless of what you think of Man of Steel, like it's got those iconic characters. So I don't know what they were so panicked about. They were worried about the response to Man of Steel and the response to Superman Returns and the diminishing returns on the Nolan Batman movies. I think that I I don't necessarily blame them for it, but yeah, I think that Ashley's take is probably the one that seems more real to me. The let's get this out before the other movie, just in case. <laughs> and then, in, you know, if it does carry it all the way through Labor Day, as it might, this may be, you know, the biggest, nicest, awesomest blockbuster in the world and dawn some justice for us. Then they can say, we meant to do that. That's exactly how we wanted that to look. We've seen some toy. And here's why I think we haven't seen everything about this movie yet and why I'm hoping that they kind of keep things close to the vest like they have for the last year and a half since this movie stopped uh, shooting. Mm-hmm. Some of the toys have come out. We get to see there's an Aquaman toy, and it is green and gold. Aqua toy. Uh, Ezra Miller is going to make an appearance in this movie, right? Is that his name, Ezra Miller? Ezra yes. Pound, I think. Oh, no, 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 not Ezra Pound. <laughs> Who plays the Flash in this movie. No one said anything about a Green Lantern yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see a Jon Stewart show up in this in this movie. If he's played by Jon Stewart, that would be cool. Too. <laughs> it would be nice to see a Jon Stewart show up in this movie. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Hmm. I am very optimistic about this movie still. And I uh, cannot wait for it for March. Ashley optimistic, more excited than before. Um, I couldn't be more excited for this movie. Uh, cause Robin's going to be in it. Oh, right. Or at least his <laughs> costume that says, ah, ha ha Batman, the jokes on you. Right, like Robin will be acknowledged to exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. When does so, uh, when does Suicide Squad come out? May summer, closer to summer. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I'll say uh, May. And so, Rodrigo, you think it's it's you're going to go, but you're just meh. Yes, I'm going to go because I am part of a uh, pop culture and comic book podcast, but uh, otherwise <laughs> I probably wouldn't go. Oh, really? If if you weren't on, on the show or working for major spoilers, you wouldn't you wouldn't go see it? No. And, and I mean, and that's not crazy. Like I when I heard that we weren't necessarily going to be talking at length about, for example, the Wolverine, I didn't go see it, mm-hmm. even though I, I, it looked OK. It's an OK like, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked fine. I maybe would have gone seen it if the budget situation had been slightly different at the time. But what I'm getting at is like, I'm really not interested in this. But um, I also now have a lot of Twitter followers who expect me to talk about stuff to them. (laughs) So I can't not watch it at this point. Well, speaking of not watching and and just because it's, uh, you know, major spoilers adjacent. What's everybody's thoughts on? The comic book television front. I mean, we're hitting, we've just hit mid season break this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the shows are wrapping up this week. As far as I know, I don't know if I zombie is doing anything next week or not. I'm pretty sure it's done. Um, so what, yeah, I think what's they were saying, I zombies are, are you guys satisfied with what you've been given on the uh, comic book TV adaptation front? I mean, this year we've got Gotham, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter is coming up. We had uh, Jessica Jones, iZombie. What else am I missing? Oh, uh, Constantine. Constantine. Constantine got canceled. Well, that was, yeah, I guess, uh, that, yeah, that wasn't this fall. What else? Oh, we had Heroes. I guess that's better left yeah. not <laughs> mentioned. I think it it depends on your definition of the word satisfied. Sure. Because what it comes down to for me is many times in my life I've had this discussion with people and they say, oh, you're a comic guy. And I go, yes. And they go, I love comics. And I go, what do you read? And they go, Green Lantern. And 
you know, that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, when I read comics, I say I'm a comics fan. Literally, if it's in a comic, I'll probably pick it up and at least glance through it. You know, the Donald Duck books that come out, I'm fascinated with. So I'm satisfied with a greater range of story, different types of story, Agent Carter being kind of retro, Jessica Jones and Supergirl having a main character who's not a 40-ish white guy. Um, I'll give Gotham their props. Gotham is really working hard to build a tone and build a universe that makes the idea of Batman before Batman at least tenable. I'll give them that. And while I wasn't the, the world's giantest fan of Daredevil, I didn't hate Daredevil. I kind of liked Daredevil, and I feel like Daredevil has done some good things. And the fact that Daredevil led into Jessica Jones and people are still plotting over Jessica Jones really makes me happy for the future of the, the MCU on Netflix TV, however that works. But I think what I really would love to see if this boom keeps going is even more diversity, not just in terms of characters and not just in terms of themes, but in terms of time, in terms of space, in terms of give me my legion of superheroes, but yeah, also weird stuff. Have you seen you know, Supergirl this week? I did. <laughs> Supergirl was really good. <laughs> the child leapt up and I threw my hands in the air in my King Cobra fighting pose and the child gave me a high five and we both immediately repeated, my name is Spoiler. <laughs> and we did not even complain. My, my kid is a huge complainer, no matter what it is, about this is bad CGI. And I had to explain to her that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from 1964 <laughs> is not bad CGI, honey. It's it's stop-motion animation. But yeah, it it's a time where there's a lot more available. It's not 1993, 92, where we had five different TV shows on and they were all Batman. Yeah. You had you had your Nightman, and then you had your your Shadow Man, and you had your Man Knight. But and you're Batman the animated series. Yeah. You know, just Am a, I satisfied? No, I'm never satisfied. That's why I'm an enormous fat man. But I'm pleasantly surprised. I, you know, just to jump on that Supergirl show from last night, beyond the big reveal that everyone's talking about today, Eep. the best part of that episode for me that was like, this is what this show is about, is when she is in the store talking yes. to the guy to giving over the gun. You mean that, the scene that they directly lifted from Jeff John's yes. Superman run like yes. earlier this year? Yes. yes. That was the, that was the, the, the best Superman part of the episode. Moment. I know, that right? Is a that is a Superman moment. That and is exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this. I was like, this is a Superman moment. This is what this is what defines her as the hero yep. in this show. And I was so happy that they, they did it. Even if it's lifted, I, I don't care. I'm happy that they did that because, frankly, nobody else wants to make Superman stories. Sorry, yeah. that was a dig yeah. at Man of Steel. Ashley, that was mean. I'm sorry. Burn me all you want. I got free health care. Uh, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be sitting over here watching Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, I would say I am I'm satisfied that we're that we've been given so much right now as far as all of these shows go. Uh, I'm with Matthew. I want to see more. And for those of you who are VIP members, bronze or higher, uh, you heard Matthew and I pitch a Legion of Superhero show on last week's. Um, was it part two of our of our uh, flashback podcast yeah, on on Arrowback? Yeah. Arrowback episode. And yeah. I'm really serious. I think that if we could get a Legion of Superheroes, get a sci-fi, you know, Legion of Superheroes would be so perfect for CW because it's got the 
the the teeny romance angst, but it's also got the action adventure stuff that they love. It'd be but right up their alley. Smallville did a pretty good version of the Legion. They did. They did. So they, I, the they CW did could start. handle it. Mm-hmm. The thing about your Legion is it's it, you get those three founders in there and you're like, okay, it's a start. Now give me 19 superheroes sitting in a room eating ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what you want. But yes, if, if you were going to do anything, if I were to ask the, the Hanukkah dragon for anything this year in terms of superheroes, it would be something like the Legion that is weird and different and nothing like anything we've well, seen. Before. I mean, Probably too expensive. For legends? It'll, yeah, even more so than right. Legends. Yeah. I mean, if we look at what Legion of Superheroes could do, and I know we're kind of deviating from this, but no, Legion okay. of Superheroes gives you huge diversity, a mm-hmm. huge range of topics from anything that's political to social to, yep. I mean, huge xenophobia. I mean, there's xenophobia is a huge aspect yeah. of Legion of Superheroes, uh, which would you, be great. I mean, then you've you got the whole sci-fi. Bella and Loki episode over again in the future. Yeah, and you just do, you got the sci-fi aspect and the superhero aspect. I think it would be good. I I, I, I wish, unfortunately, as I'm looking down this list of stuff, mm-hmm. I wish Marvel Studios or Marvel Television would be able to do more on the Netflix side. Because I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in almost two years now. Since Some. since since the lead into Winter Soldier, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with Agents of Shield. But apparently, tonight's is according to Twitter, the uh, f- mid season break is a killer episode. Agents of Shield is on a real strong high in terms of storytelling right now, and they're doing it with. Yeah, they're they're doing it with some some sci-fi tricks and some soap opera tricks, but they're doing it with different things than we saw in that first season and even in the second season. So mm-hmm. I'm really kind of okay with the fact that I'm forced to watch Agents of Shield by my family every week because I, you know, I got them hooked on the show. Now they want to yeah. watch it and I'm like maybe not so much, but <laughs> uh, Rodrigo, are you satisfied with what we've been giving given or do you want more, 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 more? Well, I do want more, largely because I'm not terribly interested in actually most of these shows. And that always makes me sound like a jerk, and I am. But it's mostly because of the way that the structure of the show tends to go rather than necessarily a quality issue, right? A lot of these, like, uh, villain of the week type things just kind of don't interest me. Uh, you know, I was a lot. I was a lot more into Daredevil because I kind of followed that kind of you know a different kind of story structure, for example. Um, but anyway, the more normal it becomes to have superheroes on TV and superheroes done straight, um, the more likely it is that we'll start to see more interesting uh, versions of them, more exploration of that. You know, for a long time, the only superhero stuff we ever got was comedy mm-hmm. you know your mystery man or that thing jamie kennedy did um and uh the specials it's a good yeah good so because people wanted superheroes but nobody like every everybody was like haha s- superheroes guys they're stupid it's nice that we're now at a point where superheroes is just a genre and we can actually see explorations of that. You know, the the attempt at powers, which I haven't seen, although I guess mm-hmm. I could now because now I have a PlayStation. Um, I think it's actually on Hulu now, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it shows that we're starting to try to track down that next 
layer of superhero stuff, right? And that next layer of comic stuff. If you want to say, well, what would, what would I like to see? I would like to see a well animated, uh, bone, but I don't know mm. if I'm ever going to get that. <laughs> that would, and you know who should do the voice of bone? Who? Jay Baruchel. And, and phony should be voiced by Rain Wilson. And, and for, uh, Smiley Bone, they should resurrect Art Carney. Mm. <laughs> Guys, they're all going to be mocap and they're all going to be Andy Circus. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, what are your, what are your thoughts? You, you're, you're deep in, in all of this stuff. Um, I am, but again, I'm the target audience for a lot of this stuff. Um, so good job them. Cause I watch most of it. I watch 80%, I think of what's on. Um, I think we're really spoiled for choice and that's really cool. And I think it's really cool that we have two shows that are led by a lady who is immediately mm-hmm. supported by an African-American man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that agent Carter is going to have that same dynamic in January. Yep. yep. Um, I think like those are all great steps toward, you know, more representation. And I think that the kind of stories that we're getting, even like on Arrow and Flash with Damian Dark, like it's cool that we're doing crazier stuff, but it's kind of like what everyone's been saying. It is still sort of a sanitized version of what I would really ideally like to see. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't think I don't, we can do that on broadcast television. Well, <laughs> I'll just say this. Supergirl right now has two love interests and they're mm-hmm. introducing a third for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not super impressed by that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Someday somebody's going to do a love triangle and they're going to say, oh, 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 who will she choose? And she's going to look at the camera and say, I'm going to take them both and we're going to fade to black. And you can just imagine what happens next. And at that point, my friends, I will stand up and cheer. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for it to be a love triangle with three guys. That's when I will cheer. <laughs> well, everybody's got that. It would, it would be interesting <laughs> if just the two guys in the love triangle decided, forget you, Supergirl. That would be interesting. We're into each other. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be. You know, Here, the guy who thing. plays Jimmy is a very, very pretty man. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd kiss him. I'm just saying I wouldn't well, blame anybody that did. No, 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 no. What What has he been in before? What have we seen him in before? <sighs> Oh, well, let me remember. head over to the IMDb. He was not in. Um, uh, I keep thinking I've seen him before in other in other shows. Yes, well, House if, Wives if, was his big thing. Oh, was, if okay. Berlanti Productions is uh, previous work, he was definitely in Glee. <laughs> Everybody uh, no, was, was in Glee. He was one of the ones who was not. He was in Magic: The Gathering, the musical. Magic: The Gathering, the <laughs> musical. Yes, Somewhere, Rob just show. set up straight and said, "Is this my soul that calls me out by name?" <laughs> wow. Oh, he was on. He was on True Blood as well, and Doll. That's House? where I know him from. From True Blood. I mean, no, oh, what wait. that show? I don't know what you're talking about. How dare you? Vampires biting pretty people who are naked. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of nudity in that, or yeah. so I've heard. Here's here's the thing. I would like a lot less the cape, and a mm. lot more. The stuff Crusader. like yes exactly vertigo if oh. i had one wish yes i would say this and only this if you're making a superhero show you get one snarky remark about either the costume or the alias per show for the lifetime of that show you get one and you got to pick one or the other and once it's out of your system and everybody who worries about that, all 19 of those guys sitting at home, <laughs> when that happens, it's out of your system. You do not get to make that joke ever again. 
that that is my one wish for superhero fiction. Man, I, I hope Berlanti Productions is listening to us so we can. Uh, yes, Greg Berlanti that, loves the pitch, major spoilers pitch, podcast. Pitch the uh, pitch that Legion of Superhero show to him. Led by, um, I'm going to say, Michael B. Jordan as Matter Eater Lad. Hmm. I would actually put him as I would put him as Cosmic Boy. Actually, mm, I think he'd be a cost. really good Cosmic Boy. See, I he would. He would also. He would also make a good Matter Eater Lad. Like he would. Yeah, like especially if it, if they gave him those giant glasses, mm-hmm. I think yes. I think you could pull those off. <laughs> make him make him the fun loving cool guy in the middle of it, and you have the other ones, and he's like our POV character. So you can have your moment where people are like, "Oh, I don't know about this Legion," but this super fun, awesome, charismatic guy is our step into it, and everybody loves him because he's Matter Eater Lad. And last episode, and- he ate a bomb. It was great, <laughs> exactly. And I think I really think that they should do a Legion tryout bit where we get an arm fall off boy. Played by Dan DiDio, just as Dan a DiDio real quick ca- cameo. Yes. <laughs> but Dan DiDio is like a 50-year-old man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Arm matter. Arm fall-off boy is a boy. Doesn't matter. Hence the part where he's Doesn't matter. They're going to get 45-year-olds playing teenagers anyway, so. Yeah, I want to play Saturn Girl. Come on. It is important also to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that Arm Fall Boy came out of the 90s. Yes, he did. Not the 50s. Not the uh, 40s. I don't know. I think it's, I you know. People talk about the ebb and the flow and the peak and all of this stuff of comic books and pop culture, but I don't think we've even hit the peak yet. I think that peak is still a ways away. Oh, I think we get it in the next five years. You think five? I'm thinking ten. Well, I'm already disappointed with some Marvel movies, so. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, but disappointment isn't necessarily the end of the universe. I mean. It is for me, okay? Well, (laughs) yes. The thing about it is, especially when you're dealing with something that wants to be serialized fiction, which, by the way, two weeks ago when I couldn't think of the word, it was serialized. Uh, Write that down. Put that on your box top. and Your box top of serial? Exactly. When you're doing a serialized fiction, there are going to be bad issues. Uh, Batman went 900 issues of Detective Comics, and I will bet you that there are 400 of them that blow goats. But the good (laughs) ones make you forget, especially – when the ones that blow goats come right in the middle of a really good run, you'll have like awesome stuff, Clayface, Joker, Laughing Fish, and then you'll have like wah, wah. Then you come back around and it's the Penguin and Deadshot. These things happen. So, you know, you get your Iron Man 2 and people get it out of their system. And two years later, all of a sudden, Iron Man 2 isn't so bad in retrospect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know. Awesome. Good discussion tonight, everybody. Uh, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com for more in-depth discussion and, and comments and uh, reflections on the industry, in, including, um, Ashley, you had a piece about Supergirl and Jessica Jones this week about oh, uh, people did. telling the, people insisting that we have to pick one over the other. Yeah, I got I mean, Jessica Jones, I thought was good, but I didn't it didn't change my life. And so I got a lot of criticism about that on social media. And um I also saw a lot of people kind of demanding that female geeks kind of declare for Jessica Jones or Supergirl. I've seen that too, yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand why. Like, they're both great. They both do things totally differently. Why can't we enjoy them both in what makes them different? Like, why does it have to be like, oh, you're not dark enough or you're not sunny enough? It just really drove me nuts. Oh, no, I I saw it too. That's why whenever you had pitched it to me, I was like, yeah, I'm seeing this a lot too. It needs to be written. So go check it out at Majorspoilers.com while you're over there. Be sure to check out, um, I don't know, all of the reviews. In fact, let's do yeah. some reviews right now. Reviews. 
Uh, this week, Back to the Future number three comes out from IDW Publishing. What happens when George goes off to college? George McFly goes off to college and Lorraine may be having some second thoughts about getting married to him. <gasps> ah, it's the 1960s. swoops in and it's the 80s again. Actually, it's a weird, it's a weird issue because Marty does not apl- uh, appear once. Well, he does as kind of a background character in this issue. And it's all Doc talking about how the time that he had to make sure that Lorraine and George fell back in love with each other because uh, George was taking himself way too seriously. And so he creates a moment where they're both able to laugh and move on with their lives. Wait, this is Doc narrating? Yes. Uh, yeah. Remember the, like, my complaint like with the, the Phantom Stranger. That's all. Remember? Awesome. No. Remember my complaint with the first uh, issue? It's like it's 1886 and uh, Doc's working on the on the train and he's trying to get the time machine going. And then the kids come in and he's got to tell them, remember this one time this happened and and that's what this whole series is going to be. Just doc reminiscing to his kids about these events, which may or may not be completely lucid at times. Fun time in 2015. Yeah. There's also the backup. Then also the backup story has Biff uh, traveling through time as he's trying to uh, get the, uh, Sports Almanac into his younger self's hands. So oh. it's a good issue. I like the art in this. Um, I like the writing in this. It's good filler material. And as Matthew and I have talked about before, sometimes there are uh, stories that are told that don't really need to be told. Mm-hmm. And they kind of ruin a lot of the suspense. This is one of those stories where the filler material doesn't ruin anything else for you. Doesn't lessen the impact of stories that you've seen before. So it's actually really fun and really good. And if you're a Back to the Future fan, I say pick up Back to the Future number three. It's worth four slices of meatloaf to me, and it's out this week from IDW Publishing. That's a lot of meatloaf. That is a lot of meatloaf, especially this holiday season. But cold meatloaf sandwiches, that's the best. Matthew, what do you have for us this week? Pork chop sandwiches. Oh, I had those this week too. Yum. Oh, I didn't. I don't even talk right now. I have terrible heartburn. Me too. Uh, you know, sometimes you have a bad day at work and you say to your wife, wife, I want all the nachos in the world. And your loving wife, being a beautiful and kind and thoughtful woman, gives you all the nachos in the world and doesn't realize that your 40-year-old stomach is just going to revolt. So what I'm saying is my stomach is revolting. And this week I read Doctor Who Christmas Special, the 12th Doctor, 2015 Holiday Special. And it's listed as number 16, but I'm not sure if that's 12th Doctor number 16 or Holiday Special number 16. But nonetheless, after this weekend's airing of Doctor Who, where spoilers, 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 and spoilers. Uh, Lots of spoilers in that one. Spoilers and spoilers met spoilers. And then at the end, spoiler and spoiler were spoiling. So good. So good spoilers. I did like that episode. This takes place previous to that with the 12th Doctor who is very Scottish, and Clara Oswald, who is kind of adorable when they use her right and kind of a jack wagon when they don't, showing up somewhere at Christmas. A strange invitation has appeared on the console of the TARDIS inviting the doctor to a Christmas party. And when he arrives, he hears the words that we never expected to hear again after 1965. Grandfather, is that you? Ooh. Yes, it's Susan's Christmas party. And there are many people at this Christmas party who we have not seen since the era of the first and second and I think third doctor and one person who I think may be Amy Pond, but I can't be for certain. 
Uh, likenesses in this issue range from I don't know who that is to oh my god, Capaldi looks amazing. So there, <laughs> there are some characters that I can't figure out who they're supposed to be. The Brigadier always has his Brigadier hat. Once again, Capaldi looks amazing. Most of the time, Jenna Coleman looks vaguely like Jenna Coleman, so I'm fine with that. But weird things happen and strange things are afoot, and it turns out that the whole thing is a ruse. It's a, it's a trap by a very, very old foe of the Doctor, whom probably none of y'all have heard of, a man named the Celestial Toymaker. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. Oh, yeah, yeah, that guy, sorry. I the Celestial kidding. Toymaker, Toy. actually, for... Uh, for Steven, if I want, I'm going to put this in. You remember the guy who played Alfred in the first four Bat movies? Oh, yeah. Michael Guff? Yeah. He was, when he was very young, the Celestial Toymaker. And the Celestial Toymaker met with the first Doctor in a serial that no longer exists. Because it's been erased or lost it's or trashed. It's been lost or erased in this Wait, episode. So does that yes. mean when the Joker says in the first Batman movie, where does he get all those fantastic toys? Gallifrey, yeah. What? What? <laughs> The Celestial Toymaker and uh, the 12th Doctor actually have a surprisingly fun interaction in this issue. And it's weird because Capaldi is very much in the vein of the stern first and the action-y third Doctors. And the issue is full of little in-jokes. At one point, they're playing a game of uh, snakes and ladders, apparently they call it in Britain. In America, we call it shoots and ladders. Yeah, only in America. Insert America shooting joke here. What do you call it in uh, Canada? Snakes and ladders. Oh, okay. We're nonviolent people. (laughs) (laughs) But the best part about it is the snakes and ladders page is it's a double page spread with a game of snakes and ladders and numbered boxes. So you have to read from bottom left across and all the way through the game of snakes and ladders to actually follow along with it. It's really fun. It reminds me of the old uh, TV comics, the holiday specials that you would get. Um, I actually found bunches of these in a local bookstore. In the UK, they do holiday Christmas annuals. And there were a whole bunch of Doctor Who, which is like silly Christmas stories and games and puzzles and things. And that's really what this is. At one point, the 12th Doctor says, oh, dear, I wish I still had my recorder. Ah. Those of you watching at home, the second Doctor played the recorder. And then his recorder shows up, and we realize something weird is happening. This is really kind of fun. Um, when it comes to Doctor Who adaptations, there are three levels of fun for me. Level one is, do I know who any of these people are just by <laughs> glancing at the page? As I said, First Doctor shows up briefly. looks like First Doctor. Twelfth Doctor looks like Twelfth Doctor. Clara is always identifiable because she's the one saying vaguely annoying things. Secondly... Do I get any of the Easter egg references? I'm about eight for 10 in this issue. So I respect the level of craft that went into the nerdery behind this issue. And then third, you go, is this a good single issue story? It has a really great ending. And it has Clara Oswald delivering a one-liner that makes the ending worth the price of admission. I'm not going to spoiler it for you guys. However, there is a sequence where playing cards come to life and start to attack them until the 12th Doctor transforms them into his 10th self, his 11th self, Jack Harkness, and Clara when she was the governess. And then these walking playing cards are the 10th and 11th Doctors. And I'm like, oh, yay, I can tell who they are, too. So I'm going to go with, are you ready? Give me a drum roll. 
You are so bad at this. Four slices of meatloaf for the 12th Dr. Christmas special. Yes. Yes, you are. Or maybe I I planned that. Everybody heard it. Everybody heard it, and they're all like, oh, Steven. No, they're like, Steven's just trolling Matthew again. That's awesome. Or maybe they're saying, Steven's just trolling Matthew again. (laughs) I go back to internet now. Uh, Four slices of meatloaf. Doctor Who, the 12th Doctor Christmas special. Good book. I do recommend it. I have no idea what it costs. Um, uh, I think it's three ninety nine, four ninety nine. dollars 99 They just sent it to us this morning, so that's why yeah. you guys got it. So I'm going by the review copy, and it, it yeah. doesn't have the, no, the doesn't. pricing on the cover. So Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Cool, Word. cool, cool, cool. Rodrigo, you also have a book from Titan Comics. I do. What it's would called, it be? It's called The Troop Doom, Number One. Doom. Now this isn't mili- this isn't a no this isn't a military comic this is something a little bit different. Yeah, it is not about uh, or not directly about soldiers. Uh, it's also not directly about baboons. So is it about Girl Scouts? Uh, it doesn't seem to be either. Well, although, oh, oh, what about baboon soldiers? Um, well, no, it's about neither of those. So oh, okay. if if logic holds, <laughs> uh, baboon soldiers would be out mm. by both counts. Is it, is it about Goofy? It is not about Goofy. Oh, well, then I'm out, too. Is it about ABBA? Ooh, if it's about uh, ABBA, I'm in. It does. No, it does not uh, feature ABBA in it at all, actually. So they're not supers? Troopers? No, they are not. <laughs> also, nobody nobody asks anybody else for a mustache ride if, <laughs> if that's what's going to follow that. <laughs> Tell me about this John Chimpo fellow, Rodrigo. Ah, uh, yes, Johannes Chimpo. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the troop. It's a comic, and I read it. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up now. Something that I didn't uh, realize until after I read it and looked back at the cover is on the on top of the book, right above the title. It has a quote. It says, fan bloody tastic. I loved it. Mark Miller. Um, and I think if I'd had that information, maybe I would have skipped it. So, uh, the troop is a story about a person who is trying to rescue some superpowered people from an evil organization that wants to use them in some malevolent way. Um, that is what is happening here. And I mean, right off the bat, this is a story we've seen a thousand times. And uh, so, you know, going into it, you're like, okay, well, this is a story we've seen a thousand times. So what is new and interesting about the troop? Is it the powers that the people have? Is it, you know, the design of it? Is it the tone of it? And, you know, maybe insofar as the tone is very dark and smeary, um, uh, basically uh, every character that is named in this story um, or that is focused on has had either like has their family die in this issue and... Sometimes they're the ones who kill them. Um, Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, This is a very bloody comic. It's a very violent comic. Uh, It also has full frontal nudity. Uh, Yay! 
So it has that going for it. Uh, and it actually has uh, male and female full frontal nudity. Yay! Uh, so it has that going for it, which is nice. Mm. But other than that, it really doesn't tread any new ground. And that's the thing. I don't know. When you're starting a new superhero comic, you have to have something that is different. Like one of the guys in the comic is a fire guy. Like he shoots fire. It's like, can you really have another guy who shoots fire out of his hands? Like another 20 something white guy that shoots fire out of his hands. Even, you know, it's like, I don't know. There, uh, I, I made it all the way through this comic and there's nothing wrong with it. Technically there's, you know, it's just, it's a story I've seen before. It's a tone I've seen before. It seems to be gross and violent for the sake of violence. Hmm. Um, it does set up some kind of interesting mysteries, but also it's weird because one of the mysterious people is our point of view character who won't tell us anything. And it's weird when I'm supposed to be in this character's head and he's like dancing around what he's talking about, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe in the end is just kind of missed the mark for me or, you know, possibly all possible marks. I mean, the art is fine. The characters are mostly distinctive as far as the superhero types go. The big, the biggest problem is that like the guy that gets them all together is a, I don't know, 40 ish guy in a suit and they're being chased by agents, all of which are dudes in suits. So a lot of the time I'm like, oh no, he caught, oh no, that's, that's our guy. That's, that's actually the guy we're looking at. Okay. Never mind. They're not caught by the bad guys. This guy's not the bad guys. Um, that's probably the only real confusing thing about it. Um, other than that, you know, the art is fine, but I'm just all around not impressed by, uh, the troop. So I'm giving it two slices of meatloaf out of five, you know, uh, there's again, there's nothing wrong with it, but. I just think it's hard to get into this game. It's hard to get a new superhero comic in and not really offer up anything that's going to be out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's that hook that brings you back. It, it is. Cool. All right. Thank you, Rodrigo, for that. And Ashley, diving over into DC Comics with uh, Gotham Academy number 12. Yes, because a few short weeks ago, we reviewed the first trade of that. Mm-hmm. And Gotham Academy is my favorite thing about DC Comics right now. So I thought, let's talk some more about that on the show. I don't think we've done that enough. Gotham Academy number 12 is about halfway through this latest arc. And they've been chasing after a character named Calamity. And Calamity is a scary fire lady who burns down places on Gotham Academy grounds. And uh, she may or may not also be Olive's mother. Hmm. And in this issue, we kind of have a mirror plot going on between Maps looking for her older brother, Kyle, in the ruins of Arkham Asylum and with Maps looking for Calamity slash her mom's ghost slash maybe her mom's still alive, question mark, um, in Arkham Asylum. And both of those are really interesting storylines. Both of those are two really interesting characters. Both of those look really good because Carl Kershaw should draw all of the things. <laughs> but I think that this issue would have benefited from focus 
from having this story maybe broken up into two issues. Um, like if I'm Mark Doyle and I'm the editor of this and I go to Becky Cloonan and this is her, uh, and, and Brendan Fletcher and this is Becky Cloonan, head writer's first time writing for DC. Maybe I go, hey, these are two really cool ideas, but this is a lot going on in an issue and it's kind of difficult to follow when you skip around mid-page. Why don't we straighten this out and put it into two issues? But I'm not Mark Doyle and it didn't happen. So while it's interesting and while it looks really good, because we have so many switches and because they're not done with any uniformity, we're not switching every page, every two pages. We're kind of just switching, I guess, whenever the narrative calls for it, maybe. Um, It lacks direction. So it's still good and it's still fun and it has that kind of Scooby gang slash Harry Potter feel to it. Mm hmm. Um, but I feel like it just needed one more draft before it went to the artist. Mm. So I'm going to give it three out of five slices of meatloaf. Still good though, but not, uh, not the best meatloaf you've ever had. Yeah. Didn't have the ketchup glaze. Ooh, ketchup glaze. Yes, 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 yes. Ketchup glaze is my new drag name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Check out all the reviews over there and including some video reviews that we've been doing. Uh, maybe you want to see what the the twelfth doctor looks like in Lego form. You can check that out at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash major spoilers video. It's a fun set if you can get it, but Matthew, it sold out within in like two 12 hours. Twelve seconds. Well, yeah, I, I was in about ten minutes after the uh, sale went live in the US, mm-hmm. got mine, but I had trouble getting the sale to complete because it's like, oh, we're having a trouble. Try again. And I tried again and it and it went through. Uh, but within an hour, they were all sold out in the U.S. and the U.K. They're not expecting to get those back in until December 13th oh, wow. uh, at the Lego store or at the Lego shop online. Now, they may be at your Toys R Us or someplace. Well, no, I don't think they are. You may be able to find them only at Lego stores since it's a Lego ideas set. But uh, it's definitely worth picking up. Case. Yeah, it's definitely worth picking up if you have a Lego store near you. And if you do have a Lego store near you and you can buy more than one at a time and you're looking for a little holiday money. I'm sure on eBay, which I think they're selling now for <laughs> 80 or 90 plus dollars each, yeah. uh, you could make some money this holiday season with that. So a lot of fun there. Um, I, you know, I was going to have a new major spoilers poll of the week this week. But? But as of this very instant, yes, this poll has been very active in the last week. 332 votes, Matthew, of who would win in a flight fight, either wow. Clayface or Sandman, with 332 mm-hmm. votes in the can. In the little polling hopper, mm-hmm. it's a dead heat, 50-50. Wow. I cannot that believe. That never happens. That, honestly, that in all the almost 10 years that we have been running a poll of the week, 520 polls. Wow. Yeah. We've never had one that a week later is still dead tied at 50-50. In all my years of sports, I have never seen such a display of a terrible Howard Cosell <laughs> impersonation. Oh, I have. It was when I was in uh, college, and there's this guy, Matthew, used to do this impression of Howard Cosell all the time. Language <laughs> lessons. Inspiring words from a man who knows how to skate. There have been a few more comments added in. Uh, Carl, our good friend Carl. I think Hi, he was Carl. doing this on his uh, fourth shift. Of the four shifts he was doing in a row. Yeah, he may have had a brain fry. Are there English words in it? I think that there's no question that the Sandman would win because he's the shaper, the Lord of Dreams. He's been shown in the comics (laughs) to be able to curse people with eternal waking or trap them in the dream realm for eternity. 
I think there's no contest, frankly, says Carl. I almost made that joke last week. You know, <laughs> I'm going to give him credit for those four shifts because otherwise I would have to hack on him at this point in time. But he still owes have, me $11 from the 90s, you know. Then there is Chris Morlando who went at it from a very engineering standpoint. For me, the poll game came down to the geologic properties between clay and sand. Sand is a granular soil particle classified as A2 and above, A2, A3, and A1, while clay soil particles don't appear until we get down into the ultrafine A6 and below. If Sandman can get a fight anywhere near water, Clayface's molecular and microscopic soil structure will collapse and he'll simply disassociate. In the end, engineering is the real hero. Rainbow Star. Do-do-do-do. Entirely <laughs> too much science for your comic books. No, that is the perfect That's actually, that's a really science. good... So here's the thing. I'm leaving this poll up because I look through the, the things and I didn't. And it's just a cursory glance, but it doesn't look yeah. like anyone is anyone is shenaniganing uh, the uh, the poll. Right. Shenaniganing. Yeah. Going in and, and doing a uh, vote for one and then resetting their IP and then voting for mm-hmm. you know the other one. I want to see how long we can get this going until we have a clear <laughs> winner. I honestly thought on Sunday that we had a winner when it was like 53 percent to 47 yeah, like percent on Sandman. wasn't it? <laughs> and then. Yeah. And then this morning it was like. Fifty-one fifty, and I was like, okay, cool. Now it's going to settle out, and then boom, right back to 50-50. So listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com, cast your vote in the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Who would win in a fight, Clayface or Sandman? There has to be a clear winner. We don't want to have to go through and count chads until yes. the end of days to see who's going to win this Poll of the Week. Much like when my sister wouldn't finish her dinner in the fifth grade, we're going to keep putting that plate in <laughs> uh, front of you until you eat your broccoli, we're, Tina. We're all going to sit here until you finish. <laughs> I just, I, I'm really interested in this poll because usually there is a clear runaway winner. Yep. And um, people are split on this. And I want to see more comments. I need more justifications besides Carl Snark and Chris from Orlando's engineering skills. Which, Although it's, to be honest, the engineering does kind of yes, outweigh it. Yes, it really does. Sorry. Although You know who would totally win? Who? Ashley Batman. Williams. <laughs> Batman? Batman. <laughs> You're dead Listen. to me, can opener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So head over there. And uh, again, holiday season, it's the shopping season. If you're looking for something to buy, people are... Texting me or sending me an email saying, Stephen, I've been listening to you talk about tweaked audio for years. Finally broke down and bought a pair. Love them. Thank you. Hey, don't take it from me. Take it from all these people who have a pair of tweaked audio headphones. So many styles, so many different uh, colors that you can choose from. Go to tweakedaudio.com. I think these are the best little earbuds or earphones that you can get. They're compatible with all of your, your musical type device players. Maybe not your phonogram, but your iPods, your iPhones, your Android devices, your MP3 players, all of that stuff works perfectly. Normally, you would pay between $20 and $35, but right now during this holiday season, if you use the checkout code MAJOR at tweakedaudio.com, M-A-J-O-R, you're going to get 33% off the price. Buy them now. Get them in time for the holidays, I think. Tweakedaudio.com. Thank you for your support of the Major Spoilers podcast. Uh, Let's see. What do we need to talk about next? Oh, Butterfly. Butterfly from Arkea and Boom Studios. Rodrigo, what is Butterfly about, please? Uh, actually, I'm glad you pitched it to me on this because I don't know. I didn't read it. Why not? I know. I'm sorry. So here's what happened. Uh, I read 
I read Fels 5 this week. Oh, okay. So you're oh, no. about trade we're doing tomorrow. Yeah, no. I just, I looked at the thing, I read the wrong date, and I totally didn't read this book. And I've been sitting here this whole time, like, maybe I can download it really fast. <laughs> and like, through it, it's like, but no, there's no, I'm, one of the things that I'm not is slick, so I wouldn't be able to pull that off. So okay. I just want you to know. As my producer, I'm sorry about that. Uh, uh, I'd like to apologize to the audience. I'm sorry about that. But I totally didn't read this book. So have a fun review, guys. I'll just be right over there. <laughs> well, let me ask you this then, Ashley. Mm-hmm. Is Rodrigo lucky that he didn't read this book or is he missing out by reading this? Not reading he this sure book? is lucky. <laughs> this book is the tropiest trope that ever troped. Uh, that's, un- you know, here's the unfortunate thing. I was like, oh, OK, um, we've got this uh, this book, Butterfly, from Boom Studios. It's mm-hmm. been picked up by Channel 4 uh, over in the UK to be made into a, a TV series, mm-hmm. which means at some point it's going to be sent over here, um, whether we like it or not, or maybe even be ad- adapted. Could be. And so I was like, hey, this could be something worth checking out. And then I read it, and it is a story about a girl who's a deep undercover operative who um, goes on a mission. That mission gets all screwed up, and she's dropped instantly yeah. by her agency, whoever she's working for, Project Delta. And then through some weird thing, she ends up finding her father who she thought was dead 20 years ago. And then through a series of flashbacks that proceed uh, proceed to go further and further back in time, it's like a memento story. Mm -hmm. We find out his involvement in setting up this Project Delta and how he tried to escape and ultimately did or did not. And that's the whole story right there. Yeah. And the there are some issues with the pacing, but I feel that. The way it ends is so much a non sequitur to me that it almost feels like had they not done the clever memento flashback and actually given us something in more of a chronological right or even a less anachronical order to where we could have an ending that actually had something that didn't just sort of go and then dot, dot, dot. Yes. And I've been now, trying to find out if this is a miniseries or an ongoing. It is a miniseries. Okay, so that makes it even worse. This is the end. Okay, now here's the thing. The, when you write a story, you always write a story with your influences. And some books do wear their influences more on their sleeves than others. This one I could not read without picturing Bridget Fonda in uh, La Femme de Quita. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I pronounce Femme right? <sighs> heartless <laughs> heartless anyway left left me nicketer from uh, 1992 and that's again that's something where we all have our influences and i think anyone who writes a story is going to have their influences show up one way or another but this particular story really has a lot a lot of burn notice a lot of la femme nikita yes. a lot of the things that that, that honestly have to have inspired it. And I feel like, while that's not necessarily the biggest weakness, I feel like that really works against it. Because when you come into something like this, I want to know what, what, what new thing are you trying to say? Or what old thing are you trying to restate for a new audience? And I don't feel like, first of all, the, the co-narrative of the daughter super spy and the father super spy switching back and forth worked entirely well. I don't feel like either character was really strong enough to carry their half. 
and you bring it together and it feels almost like two separate stories for me. Yeah. I, for me, I was really disturbed by the fact that we're introduced to this character codenamed Butterfly, mm-hmm. and yet we're spending all of the time talking about her father, who is codenamed uh, Papillon. No, not Papillon. Nightingale. Nightingale, yes. Or something. Yes, it's yeah. Nightingale. And I was just like, really? Because I, what was that, Ashley? Uh, Papillon is Butterfly. It's yes. Le yeah. um, French. Did I pronounce that correctly? No. <laughs> now you're doing it on purpose. <laughs> I I was disappointed that we got more of his story. I could care less about the backstory. I want to know where we're moving forward. Now, if the point was to say, hey, look at how America's involvement has been in all these deep cover operations over time to screw up things and how awful uh, these, um, you know, third party mercenary groups are, mm-hmm. then I can see that. But if you're trying to tell the story of how are these two going to survive and get along with one another? Right. It to me failed in that sense. Now, let me ask you guys a question. There is a particular sequence that I am quite unclear on, but from inference, I'm reading it as the new wife and son killed. Right. Yeah. Okay. They are. Now, that is really, really murky for me, the way it's put together. I mean, well, his response. The, the art is really dark and murky, so. Well, that's. I, I actually kind of like the art. I don't feel like the coloring and production does it any favors, but that particular sequence is just really choppy. And it gets to the point where you're like, okay, clearly this is the family dead, but it isn't really explicitly stated. And it's, it's not quite a gory discretion shot failure because right. there isn't really. I mean, not yes, gore. there's a dead body, but I don't know. It just, it didn't really come together. And then of course, soon after that, the book just ends. <laughs> it's- I, I think, I think a big problem with this book is one, uh, James Bond, because James Bond is the tropiest story mm. that we've seen and we see it over and over again, but they always do something enough that we keep coming back. So right. even if you're telling, I mean, and tropes exist for a reason, but even if you're telling that spy story, whether they're burned or not, like we've seen it, done better with bigger mm-hmm. production values and mm-hmm. also i think the fact that lazarus exists right now is a big shot against this book yeah because it's a you know father daughter there's a lot of espionage going on and it's masterfully told mm-hmm. so if you're reading that like i was i'm reading that i pull it every month um so when this came along i actually read it and reviewed it for the site when the first two issues were out mm-hmm um, and it was really tough because I was like, oh, but there's already a thing that's doing this better on top of the fact that it's muddled to begin with. So I feel like mm-hmm. those two things for me made me like less forgiving of Butterfly's weaknesses. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I just I was hoping that I would enjoy the story, but I just didn't. I mean, yeah. there are lots of alias influences in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't know. I just I wanted this to be more moving forward and not continually stepping back. Yes. I I wanted it to be really good. I think the other thing that really suckered me into this Mm -hmm. is they're using that incredible Phil Noto art for all the covers. The covers are stunning. And he is a fantastic artist. And I understand you want to make the label as pretty as you want it to be. But when the cover art is not done by the same person who does the interior art, I feel somewhat jaded, even though the artist here is fine is yeah. just a different style that I was not expecting from the Noto art. Yeah. Fuso's art is good and it's I mean it's solid but it is not Phil Noto. And I think when you go through this story 
when you get to the end of something that doesn't work, and it doesn't work for multiple reasons, and they're all kind of nebulous, it's really hard to say, here's the positive points and here's the negative points. I feel like the art was together. The story being told was told in, well, a, a sequence that didn't necessarily make it easy to follow, and also was told in a way that kind of meandered to the point where what really happens in this in this story? She gets burned. She goes on the run. She finds her mysterious contact that, by the way, she's always had. This has always been part of her procedure, her mysterious third contact that she's never had to use. Then all of a sudden, oh, my God, it's my dead father. The first line of the book references her father. My father taught me how to shoot, and we have yep. a flashback. Yep. And then we transition into the spy stuff and the spy stuff mm -hmm. and the spy stuff mm -hmm. to where we come back around to the father. Yeah, check off. I'm like, dad. yeah, it was yeah, there. <laughs> it, was, it was there, but it was one of those things where the story kind of started with totally ignore the man behind the curtain. We're going to go over here and dance for a little bit. And then, bang, something came up. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like if I were a super spy – and I knew that I was running a, or running from a super spy conspiracy. And somehow my daughter, whom I faked my death to get away from, by the way, so I probably want to keep tabs on, is part of this. I might do some things to keep her from leading the spy agency right to my doorstep. Okay, I mean, so here's here's the hey. logic here's the here's the logic thing that I have a question on then that maybe you guys can answer. So mm -hmm. she's in the agency. Everyone mm -hmm. believes that Grasshopper is dead and gone. If they knew where Grasshopper was at, her dad, they would have gone <laughs> after him and killed him, correct? And why would they have let her in the agency to begin with? That's a good question. That is a whole, yeah, that's a whole different question. But she's like, here's a number I'm never supposed to call. And so she calls it, and it's a repeater uh, line that just right. cranks out these uh, out these uh, locations. She goes to Strange the location, and there just happens to be a bottle of wine from the vineyard that her dad now lives at. Right. Why, if they, I mean, are they trying to get her to go to where her dad is? And if they know right. where her dad is, why not? Uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Are the spy people trying to get her to lead them to her dad but if, so that they can find and murder him? But the question then becomes, if they know where the dad is, yes. why do they need why her to lead them? To yes, the exactly. Is she supposed to go in as like a Trojan horse and get his, his, his. No, because they don't his, need to do that. She walks right up and the dad is just standing there like it's nobody's business. So Hello, they can have daughter, whom of, I have not seen for They can have years. any number of ninjas jump out of trees and kill the guy at any point in time. Hello, Celine Dion. Yes. And there, therein lies part of it. There's, there's a hook here. There's a, a, an elevator pitch of a spy who comes in from the cold and finds that the coat is being held by her dead father. That's a compelling pitch. That's a strong idea. But there really isn't enough fleshing out or story around that idea to me to turn this into, what, 185 pages? Something like that. 132. 135 pages. You know, and I try not to be cruel or harsh in our assessments of books, but I really had trouble getting through this one. I really had trouble staying with it. And every time that I felt like they pulled me back in, I had a Fredo moment where I got shot down at a toll booth, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. I think that was Fredo. Wait, Did Fredo I pronounce was, Fredo? Right? No, Fredo was shot at the uh, lake, I thought. Oh, I don't know. Right. Oh, spoiler, sorry. Been a while. For uh, a 35-year-old <laughs> movie. Okay. So we got shot at the toll booth. By the way, 
you haven't mentioned what the movie is, so let's just roll with it. <laughs> it's the black hole. Yeah, so yeah. the other <laughs> the other thing that might be a, a trigger of dislike for maybe Matthew and myself is uh, child endangerment. Here oh. I thought at the beginning where she is trying to infiltrate this uh, this Russian guy to kill him. Here mm-hmm. I thought it was a fake baby the entire time. Turns out it's a real kid she's using as a decoy or as a as a uh, as a prop in her right. shenanigans to to uh, to kill or not kill Which? this guy to get get his phone. What she just abandons. <laughs> she abandons a baby. Oh. <laughs> that moment, I think, is supposed to make us understand that she is ruthless and cold blooded and she wonders where Ruth is. But but she's but the thing is, it was a handoff baby. So someone else handed this baby off. It's not like she stole the baby. Right. It was handed off to her as part of her cover. And that's something else. I mean, our main character, this girl, basically. I don't like her. I don't like anything about this. She book. doesn't really do anything of her own agency or, you know, everything that's not run by her old agency, Waka Waka. She is basically strung along throughout this whole story. And I, I get to a point where when we switch to dad's perspective, my brain thinks, oh, decoy protagonist. This is really dad's story. It is. And daughter is the lead into it. But even yeah, then, she's the MacGuffin. It's not because yeah. dad is like derpy derpy doo. And then we get to the end of the story and just. <sighs> is there anything to like about this story, Ashley, about this, about this volume? About the story? Uh, just in general. Let's, here's a book that I've presented to you called Butterfly. It's a hardcover from Boom Studios and Arkea. What's good about it? You could rip out the covers and put them on your wall. They're really Ooh, pretty. Okay. Matthew, is there anything good about this? <laughs> I feel like Fuso's storytelling is strong, it, especially at points where maybe the plotting and the the verbiage fails him. Like the first point that we see her when she's putting in her fake eyeglass, her eyelashes and her, her contact lenses, transforming into another person. There's no narrative to really give us a lot to go on. But his storytelling works, and you're like, oh, okay, she's pretending. Oh, now she looks like somebody else, but it's still clearly that same girl. Oh, and now she's being shot at by people or people's unknown. Okay, I'm I'm kind of with that. I feel like Antonio Fuso. No, that's the artist. Yeah, I feel like Antonio oh, okay. Fuso, the artist, makes the best of some difficult situations ah, okay, and really does make portions of that story work. Mm-hmm. That otherwise might not. So I feel like from an artistic perspective, if you're just looking for some interesting art. The layouts are kind of cool, too, because there are many times where the butterfly motif is used as the layout for the page, especially on some of the double page spreads, which is kind of cool. Maybe a little bit heavy handedly. Oh, no. In the spy business, you can't do anything heavy handedly. I'm sorry. Haven't you you learned that from this issue? I'm just trying to figure out what channel four is going to do with this. They're going to change the name. Yeah. Something entirely different. They're going to do uh, 24 issues of, of sp- 24 episodes of Spycraft with a female main character whose father is somehow involved. Yeah. They're going to eye zombie it. Yeah. And they're going to do something entirely different, but it's going to be called butterfly. And they're going to go from the super smash hit comic of the same name. It, I don't think it's all that well. From well, the USA Today the had nothing but good film. things to say about it. Well, good for them. Yes. Uh, so I guess bottom line, everybody, is if you like Butterfly, I would really like for you to write in or call in 
and let us know what you like about Butterfly, why it's something that you enjoyed. Maybe there's something we're missing. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, we are mean, mean people. But I don't also, think we're mean. Somebody, I think if, we're practical. If somebody likes it, that's awesome. I, but I would like to know everyone, why they like it. Everything is someone's favorite thing. Yeah, I would yeah. too. <laughs> because if there if there's something in here that we're missing, if there's something in here that you're like, oh, no, wait, guys, you have to look at it from this lens and right. it makes perfect sense. I would like to know, because if you can put it in a different perspective for me, I'm all for it. Because as I was reading through this, I was like, this is nothing about what I was thinking it was going to be and nothing about what the back cover says the book is going to be. And I didn't care for it at the end. And so if you're if you haven't read this book, mm-hmm. my suggestion is to skip it. Matthew? Yeah, I, would, I would agree. Uh, I think that if you are super jonesing for some spycraft and you are a guy who loves everything spycraft the way, you know, D&D Brian loves everything uh, game related, the way I love everything with a cute girl in a cape, the way Rodrigo loves Maggot, then this is definitely (laughs) a book that you can pick up that I think will feed into your perspective. And I think that as a standalone spycraft story it is flawed as a comic book series it is flawed and i think that both of those things can tell you something it could make for an interesting read i wouldn't necessarily recommend it to you unless i know that you've seen every episode of burn notice and can quote all the guys from leverage and then i'll go well there was this butterfly thing it didn't really appeal to me maybe it's going to be something that's right in your wheelhouse and then you'll come back and you know Give me a sucker punch for making you read the book. I don't know. But no, I would not necessarily recommend it. Ashley, final thoughts. Uh, there's better lady spy stories out there. Queen and country. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There you go, Rodrigo. Look, we saved you some time. But now that means Sounds- next week. Yeah. Next week, you're going to have to be way in depth on this Fells yeah. Five. Yeah, uh, yeah. You guys are you guys are going to get uh, my my entire thesis on it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Rodrigo, for being on the show. People can follow Rodrigo on Twitter at Fearsome Critter. Matthew, thank you for being on the show. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra, and of course, Ashley. You can follow Ashley at Ashley V Robinson. And uh, what else is going on in everybody's world? Ashley, you got something else big going on? No. <laughs> okay. That's cool too. Matthew, anything else going on? People can find you at the local A&W or something. Yes. You, you can find me on the Twitter. This week is uh dial H for hero week. Oh yeah. Like I, saw those. Things I saw yeah. those. What's going on with the number threes? I don't know. Uh, well, this is the thing. You know how I say that I work in a basement with nice grandmas. Yes. Some years ago, they put a cellular tower on top of the building in which I work. That only my phone can access. No one else has signal when they're in the building. Monday and Tuesday, because Marsha works, I don't get to sit in my normal seat, position one. I sit in position five, which is further back and actually under a part of the building that is 150 years old. So I think what is happening is that when I'm sending a tweet, my phone is holding on to it and going, do, 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 do. I'm going to, as soon as I get a signal, I'm going to send that. Mm. And then I send the next one and it says, oh, I can send that now. Mm. I'll send this one that you just I told thought me maybe to there do, was just a problem with scheduled tweets or something. I don't know. It's given me something weird because it's mm. doing it. It's done it on the threes two days in a row. Yeah, that's weird. If it does it only on the three tomorrow, it may have something to do with the number three. Oh, yeah. Because three is a magic number. As we've learned. Yes, it is. Yep. It's a magic number. Yep. Uh, Rodrigo, have you watched uh, Ash versus Evil Dead? 
Uh, only that first episode. Oh, okay. I, I haven't watched any further. Anybody else watch Ash versus Evil Dead? No, nope, but my brain episode. wants to call it Ash v. Evil Dead, which is what I call Ashley. It's true. <laughs> to differentiate her from all the other Ashleys. I started watching it today. I'm up through episode three, and it yeah. is very much a... Um, it's very much a, a, an evil a Sam Raimi joint. <laughs> Definitely a Sam Raimi joint. So, and that's it's just, not a bad thing. It's so much better than it has any right to be. Yes, that's that's what's amazing, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, I mean, God dang, Bruce Campbell is a good actor, right? He is now, and he can flip. <laughs> he can flip the the I'm the hero, serious jackass guy, and then he can just flip into pure Three Stooges mode. Whoop, 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 whoop. And it's fantastic. So, oh, that I, I reminds always... me, Stephen. Yes. Did I tell you that your teaching as a film scholar and teacher via Zach on film actually recurred to me this afternoon in the middle of nowhere? Oh, yeah. So, let me tell you a story. I'm sitting here at my couch. I'm prepping for the Major Spoilers podcast. One of the big events in my week, the Major Spoilers podcast. I don't know if you've heard about it. And I'm sitting here and there's something on the TV and I'm like, ooh, Adrian Barbeau, not even paying attention. And then I hear this synthesizer music going, and I'm like, this sounds like the thing. And then it goes, and I'm like, this sounds like Christine. Is this a John Carpenter film? And I looked up and I heard Steven's voice in my head going, John Carpenter scores his own films with a synthesizer. Yeah, he does. I don't know why you were voiced by Boris Karloff, but... I looked up and I'm like, than Tor Johnson, I suppose. And I'm like, it's the fog. <laughs> oh and yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. John Carpenter yep. movie, The Fog. And I'm yep. like, wow, Ghost Steven, this movie sucks. <laughs> and Ghost Steven is like, sorry, bro, I only knew about the songs. <laughs> okay, on that note, let's wrap it up for this issue. Thank you for listening, being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Don't forget, you can follow Major Spoilers at Major Spoilers on Twitter. We're going to be back next week to talk about Dungeons and Dragons Fells Fells Five. That's uh, this month's You Pick It. You Pick It five of them. Yep. So they're Fells uh, Force 5. We are doing that for you because we know that you love comics. We do too. Time for Go to Bed. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a 
This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.